are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? We're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 410, uh, a.k.a. Year 8, Week 38, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your regularly scheduled clubhouse broadcast, find us there. Uh, The club is the Anarchist Experience, or at me. At Riches for Rich, R I C H E S, the number four, R I C H. And I will click the little button uh, when I start the club uh, so you guys can get in and listen live or participate or not. Just listen to it after the fact or don't do anything at all. Uh, what do I care? Um, but we do the show if you want to do the live thing around 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday afternoons. So set your clocks, turn on your smart devices to give you an alarm. Um, or again, don't just listen to it after fact because that's what I do with every other show that I listen to. Uh, that being said, what is going on with you guys this week? Uh, well, first thing I wanted to get into uh, is cleaning up loose ends from from last week. Um, our conversation got kind of convoluted and confusing, and and I've been thinking about it a little bit. You don't say. And so. <laughs> Um, basically the, the, the whole thing is about the word freedom. And so to avoid getting into word games, I think it's important to use the best word possible instead of just using uh, any word that seems to fit. Okay. Well, so catch, you, catch me up. Cause I don't remember exactly what we talked about last week. <clears throat> and if some people so, are new listening, they don't might not have listened to last week's show. So what are we cleaning up exactly? So you could make a sentence like, a politician is more free because he is able to do harm and get away with it. Oh, that one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that, my, my, that is a sentence, but that's not the most accurate word. Okay. Let me so let the, me restate my position then, and then feel free to knock it down again. And oh, since sure, KS sure. is here, feel free to jump in because I would I would like a solid rebuttal on this, right? And I, you know, no offense, even including last week. I haven't heard a sufficient one yet. So, KS, if you didn't listen to last week's show, my general position is this regarding individualist anarchism um, of the, you know, the the Max Stirner variety, right, where the, the ultimate goal of the individualist anarchist is to maximize individual freedom, uh, not necessarily global freedom, right? And I said the, the when we think about... And you may have heard me say this before as well. When we think about uh, individuals in society who are free to do the most things, right? It's high-level politicians, right? They're the ones who get away with what the average individual is not able to get away with. And therefore, I believe that the individualist anarchist position leads one down the road of statism uh, because the best way to maximize your individual freedom and liberty 
uh, is to be amongst the elite political class. So go ahead, MC and KS, if you want to jump yeah. in on that one. And so the word freedom, uh, I think KS would say, uh, isn't uh, isn't really freedom if is if it isn't applied to everybody. So um, if if you make up uh, word salad and say individual freedom, um, then you can you can believe whatever you want to believe. And so you can make sentences around that. You can make a whole entire belief system such as individualist anarchism. Well, and, and you can... Hold yeah, on, but hold on. <laughs> the, the slave master is more free than the slave. He has more freedom than the slave. It's not global freedom. It is definitely individual so, freedom. And it's not a word salad. He it, has well, more freedom. So to use the correct word, um, we'll, uh, I'll first give you just something totally off the wall. All right. You know, a bird is free to fly around. Uh, I am not. That doesn't make the bird more free than me. It makes it, the bird is winged. The bird has wings, and I'm, I'm wingless. That is more correct than saying the bird is more free than me because it can fly around. Well, but it, having wings allows it to be more free, right? It can cross a border without showing a passport, for instance. I, I see a difference here. <clears throat> uh, what you're talking about is just power, one can have great power, but it isn't a greater freedom if one person's freedom uh, is diminishing. I mean, if one person's action diminishes another person's uh, uh, freedom. So I think the, the distinction I would make here is that you're talking about power. Yeah, A politician has great power. A person with great wealth has power. Uh, Hitler had great power. Yeah. Um, but in the exercise of his power if he diminishes other people's freedom then i'd say freedom the concept of freedom is diminished okay For both i mean it, it's said uh you know from alexander solzhenitsyn's book the first circle he was talking about stalin as being in the the most constrained in a sense because he was constantly paranoid about about people uh, coming after him and that he had uh Yes, he had unrestrained power, was killing lots and lots of people. But, um... um well, he had to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At a certain point. <laughs> to, to, to stay alive <laughs> himself. He was crushing millions. But I don't, I don't see that as, ah, he just had great freedom. No, he had great power. And um, in the process, um, diminished freedom. Well, as again, a, as a diminished, dimin diminished overall freedom for the vast majority of people who was under his power. Yeah. But he on the individual level was more free to do more things than anybody else. Yeah, but I don't I don't define that as as freedom. Freedom uh, it, in that sense is just I mean uh, I think what you're referring to is he could exercise his will um in, through the use of his power. Uh, but for the concept of freedom, I'd say it has to in, 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 encompass um, the general freedom. Yeah, and, and what I was trying to get across from the very beginning is to use the, the best word possible, not just any word that fits. And so what a politician really has is authority. He has the magic of authority. You know, they have a ceremony. And that gives him the authority and the power to do things. 
but that's given to him by the collective, I guess. Um, Even worse. Or, ta- or, or taken. So what we're, not, what, what we're talking about is authority and power, not freedom. And if you want to, to go down that route of saying that uh, you know, power gives you more freedom, then what you are is a sociopath. And anybody can believe whatever they want to believe. And sociopaths do, and so there's there's another term uh, that happens in uh, psychology, and that is uh, hi- hyper um, uh, hyper rational. And hyper rational people, if they if they go down that that route, end up being sociopaths and totally individualist centered. And those are the type of people that tie people up in their basement and rape them uh, for years on end because only they matter. Other people don't matter. Right. I, and, and it wouldn't be the first time I've been accused of being a sociopath, but I do think <laughs> that one can precede the other, right? Through the exercise of power and authority, uh, one, in, one enjoys a higher degree of freedom than those who are who he is ex- exercising his power and authority over, right? So, but but you have to put that in context of other people. If if you just remove other people from the equation, you can believe whatever you want to believe, and that's that's the danger of being hyper rational. And I want to believe at least that that you're not going down that path because the the libertarian angle on that if you if you if you add the libertarian views on that is that well freedom is is only we're only talking about freedom if it applies to everybody equally okay well let me also caveat then i never said i was an individualist anarchist no i i, right. I agree with that but that's but i'm trying to explain to you what the what the difference is yeah the, di- the difference is is the individualist anarchist is basically a sociopath capable of, you know, atrocities. And uh, that's not somebody that can uh, uh, be acceptable in, in, you know, in any society. And now okay. I believe there's, there's I'd probably, probably agree with that on a space. Probably I a lot of, that statement. There's probably a lot of sociopaths in, in politics, you know, probably at the top of politics, you know, you got the Bidens and Clintons and, and, uh, you know, and worse. So, so let me, I just, while you guys were talking, I just pulled up my little Merriam Webster app and I just Googled the the definition for freedom or I searched for it in the apps and we don't want to be specific. Uh, Definition one, I'll just read the first couple. So, you know, so we don't have to go through all the definitions here. The quality or state of being free, such as a, the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice of action, or B, liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another. Independence. Uh, the quality or state of being exempt or released from, usually from something onerous. Yeah, and so you, when you get into trouble is when you say you're, you're more free because you can do uh, horrible things. That's not... <laughs> well, I didn't say horrible things. I said that I, I use the horrible things example... Because 
there there are certain things that are immoral by libertarian standards, right? And then the things that are immoral by global societal standards, right? And on there is a spectrum, right? And the spectrum of what I'm allowed to do, right? And the example that I gave last week, Chaos, um, is when I first came into these ideas of anarchy, freedom, liberty, right? I had a conversation with my dad about it. And my dad said, well, I am free because everything I want to do is legal, right? My dad is not bound by the constraints of government mandates and diktats because he does not want to do those things. I, on the other hand, want to do some illegal things, right? And I do some illegal things. Now, I do those illegal things with the risk of being caught by the government and being punished for those illegal things, right? But there are people on that spectrum, and in my example, again, high-level, high-ranking politicians of the political class, right, that do illegal things with impunity because they are not at risk of punishment. Actually, I really like what you're pointing out here. There's a very interesting point that where he's saying that he's free because he's not doing anything that's illegal. Actually, he is contributing to the diminishment or the, the loss of freedom of so many people by continuing to pay taxes to a system that controls so many people's lives and continues warfare and all kinds of things in unnecessary and, and harmful ways. Um, he is contributing to the loss of freedom of other people. So I'd say in your case, by trying to avoid the law, you're, you're actually, um, I mean, especially if you would say, well, I don't want to pay taxes to the kind of controlling system, then you're contributing to the freedom of, you're making the effort to contribute the freedom of people more broadly than, than he is. I mean, just collaboration um, is not, is not uh, a freedom position, I think. It diminishes freedom. I, well, again, that's, you know, uh, MC called it a word salad, but I would say that it diminishes global freedom, right, freedom for all people, but he on an individual level, right, if there's nothing he can't do that he wants to do, right, he is free to operate with impunity. Well, I'd, I'd say he probably hasn't given it sufficient thought. There are probably a lot of things that he would be more interested in doing if the government didn't have laws against it, you know. You were probably right, but the, exa- the example still stands, right? If, there's, if there is nothing that you want to do, that you are not prohibited from doing or fear the consequences of, right? That is, that is a, a, a degree of freedom more than those who are constrained by consequences. On an individual level, not as a, not as a measure of the total overall societal freedom that we enjoy collectively. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I just said last time, well, that's one way of thinking about it. Well, that's the as position. An, as that's an, my position. As an, well, that's that's as an individual. Um, yeah, but but there's there's definitely more than just you. I get that. Which again, which is why I am personally not an individualist anarchist, right? I, I okay. So I, so, I, I, so that's that's not your position then. <laughs> well, but it's a, it's the position 
for the individualist anarchist, right? For the for those, you know, there at some point, right? As as we move down this road of freedom and liberty, we do our best to bring others on board to the ideas of freedom, of liberty, of anarchism, right? Because we know that if we can get them on board, right, it will raise the overall freedom and therefore our, we will enhance our level of freedom. Well, I, I liked Ron Paul's explanation a little bit. And he said, you know, at, at, what, at what point does uh, the, the amount of taxes make you a slave? Is, is it 100% taxes and then, and then you're a slave? Is it 90%? Is it 50%? At what percent? And so I think everybody, you know, if, if we're talking about a sliding scale, uh, everybody probably has uh, a percentage that they could come up with. Um, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole story about that, right? It goes down like, okay, he is set free, but now they tax a little bit of his earnings, and then they tax a little bit more, and then the question at the end is, at what point was this guy not a slave? Right? I could I could probably find that given enough time to search for it, but yeah, it's it's a it's an ex, it's a it's a educational exercise to find out where you draw the line, right? And the the hope is that anyone who hears that. Right, goes like, oh, it's right at the beginning. As soon as they start taking stuff from him, he's a slave again, right? And then they realize that, oh, shit, I'm a slave because I'm being tacked away the fuck more than that. Yeah, and so I think, I think that is more appropriate than saying, well, you're, you're more free if you get to do things that politicians can do. Well, it's not just that politicians can do them. It's the fact that they do them with impunity and without fear of consequence. And I, and I think that that is a level of freedom. And, and I still disagree with calling that freedom. I think what they have is power and authority. I, that using yeah. that word is the, is the incorrect word. Okay. <laughs> well, but so I, there, and the reason why is because there is a more correct word. You know, and so, what's so not I, power and authority? Because one precedes the other. Right? They have power and authority and are therefore allowed to do things with impunity. And because it's on a scale, right, they may not get to the things, right, like the cops in the military, like, I just want to go blow off the heads of brown people. So I'm joining the military, right? Now I have the freedom to blow off the heads of brown people, right? It could just be doing, like, cocaine out in public, right? Like, you, me, we get in trouble if we do cocaine out in public, right? If you're the son of a politician... You can have a picture taken of you with a crack pipe in your mouth, right? Whilst be entertaining prostitutes and hookers, right? And all of a sudden it's a family matter that needs to be dealt with internally, right? They have the freedom to do those things out in the open without fear of impunity because they have the power and authority to do so. We are not. And so if you, the individual, want to be able to smoke crack with hookers out in public without fear of reprisal or repercussion, right? There is but one path to get you there in modern society, and well, that is two. to be... Well, what's the second get, one? Get rid of all the politicians. <laughs> okay. And okay, so back to back to the what I was saying earlier. As we go down this path, right, of trying to convince others that freedom and liberty and anarchism is the right way of doing things, uh, there is burnout... Because there's, it's a slow-moving process, right? We have to get so many people on board, right, that it becomes 
unlikely that it's going to happen in our lifetime, right? We are unlikely to convince the vast majority of people that it's okay to smoke crack in public with hookers, right? And if I have to convince like the entire population that this is okay before I'm allowed to do it, right? Again, it's an exercise in futility and the shorter path to maximize my personal freedom to smoke crack in public and, you know, in the presence of hookers and prostitutes yeah. right, is just to be a member of the political class. No, I, I totally hear you. And, and, and there's definitely, that's probably why a lot of politicians, you know, go that route is because, you know, they, they want the power and the, the ability to do things that, uh, you know, not, not get in trouble. So, but, right. but, but if, if we're talking about, you know, words and word salad and stuff, even, even the word individualist anarchist is word salad. If you if you define it that way, because uh, the word anarchy or anarchist is no rulers, and so how can you say you're individual anarchist if you want to become the ruler? It it's absolutely it's the opposite of the the whole goal here. <laughs> well, because again, it separates it from the uh, the the origin of anarchism, right? Which is decidedly a socialist movement even though we as anarcho-capitalists use the term, right? It's, and and it's, it's word salad. Which, which is word salad? Anarcho-capitalist is words? Is everything no, word no. salad now? No. Okay. Uh, individualist anarchist is. How so? Because anarchism means no rulers. Okay. So how do you become a politician? You become the ruler and still be an anarchist. <laughs> it it's, it's, uh, doesn't make sense. I'll accept that. But it's, All right, thanks. <laughs> it, it may not make sense, and there might be a better word for that. Fine. Yeah, and, th- and right. that's my whole point. There's a better word than saying somebody is more free. No, they, they, have some, they might have something that you don't, but it's, it's not freedom isn't, isn't the right word to use. You can use it. Like People will understand it. It's, it's, it's possible to have a conversation around it, but it's not the most accurate. The most accurate is they have power and authority. And again, so I, I still maintain that one precedes the other, right? Having that power and authority gives them on an individual level more freedom than most. The, the same way the slave master, right, through his authority over the slave, has more freedom than the slaves he, he, he lords over. Until the slaves kill him, I mean. But yeah, well, the and, <laughs> and when we get to that point, wake me the fuck up because I'm ready. <laughs> Right, but I mean, I've, suppose, I've thus far you, been unable to convince anybody that the best way out of this goddamn situation, right, is to murk all the people lording over you. Nobody wants to hear that argument. Murk? What's murk? <laughs> uh, like like a murder to murder to kill, like a mercenary. Oh, murder. Oh, oh, I see. Well, if you have your hands around MC's throat, you could say, well. I'm just exercising my freedom to strangle him. But I don't consider that freedom. I consider that power. You would be exercising that power over him. Right. And, um, uh, but it isn't, it isn't a, a, an action of freedom at all uh, sure. on either side. But through the, through the exercise of power, if I have my hands around MC's throat, at that moment in time, who is more free? No, no. Well, he is being constrained has- by the grips of my fists, right? I am not constrained see, at all. And this is w- right back to to word games again. 
I am free to live on. He is at the mercy of my grip. I am the master. He is the slave. In that example. He cannot do whatever he wants. I can do whatever I want, including release my grip at any time. He has to struggle and fight and break my grip if he wants to have any more freedom in his life. Well, maybe it's an oxymoron. I I consider it exercising power, and you call it freedom. Uh, you know, I I don't I don't see it as a, an exercise of freedom at all. I'm not no, calling it an exercise of freedom. I'm saying you are correct in saying it's an exercise of power, but that mm-hmm. one precedes the other. Through that exercise of power, one person is more free than the other. He has that degree of freedom more than the person whom he is exercising that power on. And again, I go back to the definition, the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. MC is constrained. I am not. Liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another. I am not restrained by power. Well, if, MC if is. You did, but if you didn't have your hands around my throat, we, we would both be free. You are correct. We, 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 would both, we would both be equally free. You are correct. So that's what, that's what freedom is. Well, that is, that is global freedom. That is overall freedom, right? That's the freedom that we strive for as not individualist anarchists of libertarians or anarcho-capitalists or, or whatever, right? We want those in power to release their grip so, from around no, our go, throat. Go back to the definition of freedom. All right. The absence or necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action, or liberation from slavery or restraint from the power of another. So you bring coercion into the into the picture, and then then you bring in the word freedom after it. It's, it's like I said, you could string words together, and you can make a sentence and a paragraph and a whole ideology and thought process around it. But it's still not the thing. The thing is, <laughs> well, because someone again, using coercion, one person is using coercion. And through that exercise of coercion, they are more th- more free. They enjoy a, a degree of freedom more than the individual they are exercising that coercion on. No, because both people had the same amount of freedom before you did anything. And now one has more. Well, you I'll have less. The the other. At, that's fine. I'm not arguing that it has to be equal or that the global <laughs> freedom index must remain the same. It's not a fixed pie. Well, it, it should be. It should be everybody's free. You're correct. And it absolutely and, should be. And that's, that's what we're fighting for, not one person over another. Understood. We, as not individualist anarchists, are fighting for more global freedom because it allows us incrementally more freedom. But if you believe that the, the, the goal of anarchism right, is to maximize personal freedom... You care not about the global whole. You care about yours. And if you that, want to... Well, re- so that, that's an impossibility, like I said. You can't, you can't, have, you can't say it, uh, an individualist anarchist is trying to maximize personal freedom because... That's the goal. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's not because... 
if you say you, you can become the ruler, then you're not an anarchist anymore. Okay. That's acceptable. You're just an individualist. Yes. Okay. Fine. And and you and you're probably hyper-rational, and hyper-rational people tend to be sociopaths and psychopaths. Okay. I'll allow that too. That's not I don't care if individualist anarchist is an oxymoron or if that's the wrong term. You can have that one. What I'm saying is those that believe in maximizing personal individual freedom, right? can find themselves down a path of statism because that leads to more freedom for them on an individual level. Yeah. But right. I, so even, even a person that, that thinks that, uh, no, let's say that, let's say this people that act that way, but don't think about it. They aren't chasing more freedom. They're chasing whatever the hell they want without regard to other people. Sure. So the, they're not looking for, freedom to do those things. They're just looking to do those things and you know, not getting caught is, is the <laughs> right. I mean, you, you, there, obviously there, you don't want to be in prison, but <laughs> there, there are many paths to the same destination. Right. Some people want but, power but and authority. Free, some people want money. Some people freedom want lovers, freedom. Freedom lovers do not go down that path. Because that's not the word they would use. They're, they're looking for power, and they're, they're looking for the ability to control other people and manipulate people, and those people are not... The, 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 the freedom word is not the right word. Okay. They're, they're, they're looking, to, they're looking for, to do exactly you know, the, the other example. They're, Maybe. They want, they want to be the per- person with their hands around somebody's throat, and well, they're the ones causing the problem... And that, yeah, it's, has I'm, nothing I'm to sure do there with. are some, right, who may not even call themselves anarchists or individual anarchists or any other subset, right, that go down the political route for that purpose, right? Those are the ones that join the police force or join the military because they want to kill brown people, right? All I want to do is shoot people without getting caught, right? Those are your psychopaths, those are your sociopaths. And what I'm suggesting is if, if you have a philosophy that maximizes individual liberty and freedom, right, on just the global freedom be damned, just what's in my own personal best interest, right, I, I want the most freedom in my life as possible, the shortest path to that is down the road of statism. Well, it's, it's not. It's worse than statism. It's just, it's it's psychopathy. It's just individualism maximized leads you to. It doesn't. It doesn't matter which path you take. It just happens to be we have a state and and the the, the that's where the power is. And so you're just chasing power at this point. It doesn't doesn't even matter. Well, again, again, some might be chasing power, right? You don't. You can be chasing freedom and get here, and that's that's. That's my bigger point with the individualist anarchist position, right? They're not necessarily chasing power, but the best way to get what they want is to have some power, right? And so one precedes the other. If I can get the power, I can get my personal freedom. You haven't chimed in in a minute, KS. Do you have any 
No, I'm I'm uh, ready for the next topic. Okay. All right. Well, sorry, I couldn't help. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Again, it's I hear all your points, right? I I understand what you're saying, and which is why I'm not an individualist anarchist, which is why I don't follow the tenets of individual anarchism, right? Because it's it's about more than just me, and I personally may be a sociopath, but I have no desire to lord over anybody else in that way. So I don't go down that route, right? I sneak by with my little existence of whatever freedom I can get. Uh, I break the law and, you know, when appropriate, damn the consequences, right? Is there a little bit of fear of reprisal and retribution? Sure, right? Like one of, one of the biggest things for me personally, as far as like, you know, freedom is concerned is I am constrained to the speed limit posted by the state at the moment because I don't have their permission slip to be on the road. Right? So the, 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 can I speed going down the highway? Yes, I can. But the consequence for getting caught is so much more dire than if I just gotten their little permission slip, right? That I don't speed down the highway. And we have all seen the videos of the politicians and the judges and the police officers, right? Who, when gotten caught speeding down the highway by the low-level traffic cop, right? They go, do you know who I am? I will have your badge, son. Because even though you've pulled me over in this little exchange, I have more power and authority than you and they get away with it well power yeah again one precedes the other there's i'm not conflating the two i'm saying one precedes the other through the exercise of power and authority that individual has a degree of freedom more than those he is exercising power and authority over Much like the slave exercises power and authority, or uh, much like the slave master exercises power and authority over the slave, right? No, no one's arguing with me here that the slave is mo- is less free or is equally free than the slave master. The slave master is not really free; he's just powerful. He can do so more we, without impunity. So you're you're arguing that power is synonymous with freedom? No, <laughs> I'm saying well, he one, said it pre- it one precedes the other freedom <laughs> i'm not saying that that's the only way to freedom right you you can convince the entire population that in the, that a anarchism that capitalism right that liberty and freedom and libertarianism is the proper way to go about your life right and if you are unable to convince the vast majority of people to your ideals right you do not get as much freedom as you would if you could. You are less free because you are constrained by the laws of those who are in charge, who have authority and power over you. And if you want them to release their grip, right, you have to get help from elsewhere or you have to convince them to let go. And we have been thus... Go ahead. If you can't beat them, join them. 
Sure. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's a shortcut, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> One precedes the other. If you want to if you want to have that level of freedom or more, right? The shortest path with the limited lifetime you have availed to you as a human being on planet Earth, right? The shortest path is to join them. And you don't have to take that path, right? You can say that it's immoral and unethical, and I would never do such a thing, and I will agree with you, and I will make that statement alongside you, uh, but it doesn't remove the fact that that path is availed to you if you ever desire a shortcut to more freedom. Headlines? Sure enough. All right. I know which one you want to do, KS, but I'll read them all for anyone listening, and then we'll do the one you want. Uh, headline, Lord of the Rings franchise battles garbage company? Uh, headline, does government create a level playing field, or does it make the field more uneven? Uh, headline, The Jones Act exacerbates Northeast traffic woes. Uh, Headline, migrating Americans seek lower taxes and greater freedom. Headline, there's a new sheriff in town. Ron DeSantis celebrates seizing control of Disney's Reedy Creek Improvement District and warns the corporate kingdom they will finally have to pay their fair share in taxes. Uh, Headline, Here we go. IRS proposes new program to crack down on waiters, tips, and other service industries. And finally, headline, IRS tells millions of taxpayers in 22 states to delay filing tax returns. Uh, So I know which one you want, KS, but just tell me again for the benefit of the They're all good. I mean, they they all... Sound intriguing. Well, if you've had a change of heart, let me know too, and we'll just pretend that's the one you want. One that I want to hear more about is the Jones Act, just because I I often talk about that. Um, But I'm guessing that by eliminating ocean going traffic, there's a lot more congestion on the highways, especially during bad weather. Is that is that basically what it is? Yeah. So we can now skip the whole article. Yeah. You've summarized. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> okay, good enough. No, no, no. I'm kidding. We'll, we'll read the article, but you, you've nailed it. Have you, covered, have you covered that aspect of it in your classes? I or is this do a new talk about the fact that, uh, yeah, eliminating ocean-going traffic means that, they, uh, that there's a lot more traffic on the highways, uh, more deaths, more pollution, more congestion, more infrastructure destruction, um, and a lot more cost. Yep, and and frequently when we talk about the Jones Act on this program, because you guys are in Hawaii and I'm originally from Hawaii, um, we talk about it in terms of either, you know the the shipping costs to Hawaii or how Puerto Rico gets affected, um, and how you know the the boats on which the goods travel on are coerced, forced uh, to take alternate routes to get to their destinations because they have to make certain stops elsewhere before going to whatever port and therefore again increases shipping times and shipping costs yada 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 and then i came across this one and went well the north how is this affecting northeast traffic i'm pleased that it was even written about you know, yeah because there you go these things occur without much uh, much discussion at all on the media so from well okay then from from the headline uh or, for, or from the source 
uh, Cato Institute. Oh, so, well, there's a good And it's Colin Grabau, I guess, is the writer, I bet. Uh, you are correct. Is, you want to share a little more insight with that? Oh, just that I've had a lot of correspondence with him. He's uh, he's probably the most knowledgeable guy um, in the mainland about this. In, locally in Hawaii, it's uh, Michael Hansen. But, uh, um, yeah, very, very knowledgeable. All right. Well, there you go. Inside information from KS over here. Uh, the Northeast United States is choking on traffic. According to data analyst firm uh, INRX, the region is home to six of the ten most congested roads in the United States, as well as well as two of the five most congested cities in the world, uh, New York City and Boston. That's an obvious problem for motorists trying to get to work or anywhere else, as well as truckers hauling freight through the region. But this raises a question. Why not instead move freight using more efficient, more environmentally friendly ships plying the coastal waters that parallel I-95? The answer is largely found in the Protectionist Jones Act, a 1920 law that restricts domestic waterborne commerce to vessels that are U.S. registered, U.S. built, and mostly U.S. owned and crewed. As an article in the Connecticut Post points out earlier this week, the lack of coastal shipping to bypass gridlocked highways isn't for lack of trying. Maritime industry veteran uh, Pierre Heidenreich and Bob Kunkel uh, went so far as to design a roll-on, roll-off ship for exactly that purpose, envisioning a fleet of four such vessels that would sail up and down the East Coast. The cost of building such a ship in the United States to comply with the Jones Act, however, proved fatal to the idea. Uh, here's a quote from that article. Heidenreich, along with Bob Kunkel, designed what they call a compact RORO, a low-emission ship that could carry 80 trailers at a time. The plan was to build them, uh, build four of them together, carrying about 400 trailers or more a week up and down the coast. It would make a significant impact on the traffic and congestion that was on I-95, Kunkel said. The Jones Act made the plan moot. The compact RORO would have to cost $65 million dollars to build in Europe at the time, but double that in the United States. Because of the Jones Act, Kunkel and Heidenreich could not use a foreign-built boats, and the increased cost made the plan cost prohibitive. So that killed the whole project completely, Heidenreich said. Uh, if you allow for imports of ships today over the next 15 years, you will see 500 foreign ships owned by Americans under a U.S. flag with a U.S. crew going up and down the coast of the United States. There's no more economical way of transporting goods, uh, containers, than ships. In a class, end, end quote of the art, that article, in a classic case of Jones Act-induced dysfunction, facing an extra $260 million in capital costs, which could not easily be recouped if the company folded, given dim odds of finding a domestic buyer and the vessel's value being at least halved on the international market, the service could not be launched. That means a missed opportunity to reduce congestion, emission, and highway maintenance. Ironically, it was also a blow to the very domestic maritime industry the Jones Act is ostensibly meant to promote, uh, given foregone mariners' jobs and businesses for ports. Compounding matters, the Jones Act's prohibition on foreign-built vessels for use in coastal shipping didn't mean they were instead constructed in the U.S. shipyards. It meant they weren't built at all. 
In fact, U.S. shipyards ended up as losers in this episode through the loss of potential repair and maintenance work on the envisioned coastal vessels. Heidenreich and Kunkel's inability to build ships in the United States cost, cost effectively for use in coastal shipping, is par for the course. With limited exceptions, Jones Act ships are only used and built for on trades such as Hawaii, Alaska, and Puerto Rico, where alternative modes are not an option. Their high capital costs help ensure that competition with the other forms of transport, even congested highways, simply isn't viable. So very few ships get built here, and the domestic industry continues to decline. Indeed, numerous sources have identified the extraordinarily high cost of domestic shipbuilding as a significant impediment to coastal shipping. A 2006 study, for example, found that shipping firms viewed such cost as the single largest obstacle to such, such shipping services, while a 2013 study pointed to lowered vessel costs as a leading means of encouraging short, short sea shipping along the I-95 corridor. Similarly, a 20, uh, 2005 GAO report highlighted the expense of U.S.-built ships are contributing to the startup cost of short sea shipping services Man, that's a lot of S's. And a 2011 report prepared for the U.S. Maritime Administration highlighted the salutary effect of allowing the use of foreign-built vessels, even if for limited periods of time. The verdict is clearly in. Thus far, however, such evidence has failed to shake Congress from its love affair with the Jones Act and the special interest groups that support it. Indeed, President Biden just last night promised in his State of the Union speech to expand Jones Act-style local content mandates by American for public projects, including federal highways, precisely the opposite of what the government should be doing to reform U.S. transportation policy, as I explained uh, in, a, in another article. So American drivers, already suffering from one protectionist mistake, can perhaps look forward to an, other ones causing even more dysfunction on our roadways. On the bright side, they'll have more time to learn about it while sitting in traffic. Uh, end of the article. <laughs> and that, article. that probably that probably links to uh, other publications. Yeah, it does other publications uh, from the Cato Institute? You know that they can listen to audio versions of or whatever while lingering about in traffic. Yeah, well cited case, and of course, uh, I think we've mentioned on this show too before how. Those high costs of shipments uh, make it so that Hawaii has to import oil or had to import oil from Russia instead of from California, even though it's much further away, um, because um, it's too too expensive to use a Jones Act ship to bring it in from and and the East Coast. They get um, their it, it's cheaper to get it from their oil from Nigeria and Russia than it is to get it just from the Gulf of Mexico. Ludicrous. And rice in uh, in Puerto Rico, it's cheaper to import from China than it is from Louisiana because of the Jones Act. So, so I much for drove, Buy American, right? Yeah, yeah. And it drove out of uh, business uh, the Hawaii sugar industry because it was cheaper to import um, sugar from across the Pacific Ocean than, than just in Hawaii. Yeah. So if, anyway. if you had to take a guess, right, Cato has been making this case, you guys have been making this case 
um, for quite some time, right? How is yeah. it? How is? How does it always fall on deaf ears for politicians in D.C.? I think not enough is said about how um, about the campaign contributions from the shipping industry to politicians. That's why the most of the Hawaii politicians themselves are advocates for the Jones Act because they get a lot of money from Matson and the shipping industry. Um, and so the, their interests are concentrated and the consumer's interests, taxpayers' interests are diffused so they don't have as much interest and they don't even know what the Jones Act is as a consequence. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an insignificant word. It should be labeled uh, the Kill the Children Act or, or Matson Monopoly Act. Then it, it might draw more media attention. Also, reach out to your local politician when they're introducing legislation, right? To title it accordingly to maximize the amount of headlines it gets. Call it the Inflation Reduction Act. There you go. <laughs> oh, or how does it? Okay, forgive me for not uh, you know understanding political procedure, right? But when they pass stuff like the uh, like the Inflation Reduction Act, right? Why not just slip it in there, right? as one of the bylines and also this act uh removes the you know the jones act right or what i don't i can't think of the word i'm looking for repeals the jones act right well that that's precisely what daniel senator daniel anyway did in giving an exemption to the jones act for a local cruise line company that wanted to um, be able to go from island to island in in the hawaiian chain without having using a jones act ship right i mean and uh, so he slipped it into a military defense budget in the last stages of conferences, and almost nobody saw it or read it. But did the media did pick up that on the fact that he had received some eight hundred thousand dollars in campaign contributions from that industry, uh, from that that company, um, in advance of that slip-in decision. So that clown, that ass fucker could have slipped in and repealed the Jones Act at that very time instead of slipping in an exception. Yeah. And chose, yeah. you know, okay. So what is possible so to slide it in one mm-hmm. of these 3 3000 page bills, right? You can yeah. convince the if you can slide enough campaign contributions to the correct politician. Yeah. All right. Good to know. And so I I, I think this is part of, I don't know uh when it was covered, but might have been on the the other show. Um, if po- if politicians are like purchasable, which we know they are, right? Then if you, then all you got to do is buy them off enough, right? Yeah. If you and want, I to- suggested doing that as as a as a method because it would be cheaper than going down the route we're doing now. I I tend to agree. So what's you you said you suggested it? What was the pushback you got? Um, well, I think for obvious reasons, nobody, nobody took it seriously, but <laughs> one thing also, why not? Plays into the, Here's into why, the hands. Oh, go ahead. Kid, sorry. G- good, good people ba- mainly don't, uh, try to bribe politicians. That's usually left for the people seeking power, not freedom. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, you then see that there's a shortcut, Right. Oh, I, 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 no, I, I'm not disagreeing with you that, that there's, there's a, there's a loophole. <laughs> the loophole is money. You have enough money, you get what you want, right? 
Sure. So rather rather than libertarians living in poverty, going like I'm going to minimize my my income so I don't have to pay as much taxes, they should maximize that shit and just buy it all off. One other thing that works in the favor of the Jones Act advocates, the biggest thing I think probably now, is that it's associated with ah. You would be by allowing foreign ships into American harbors. You'd be allowing the Chinese to come into American harbors, which of course they can do anyway. Um, but the Jones Act j- ship just prevents anyone from using even a Japanese or, or South Korean ship to go from one port to another an American port. But I was in a debate on this topic uh, with some Jones Act advocates. The logic of the situation, the cost of the situation, mattered nothing at all to the audience. All the opponents the proponents had to say was China, 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 China. Everybody's so fearful of China that anything that, that smacks of, uh, um, of China just gets public sentiment. People are afraid of whatever they're told to be afraid of. It doesn't matter if it's the weather, (laughs) too much rain, not enough rain. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) maybe we need to tell them to, Maybe show them how they should fear the Jones Act. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's, that's why I suggested uh, coming out uh, ahead of that argument by saying, oh, we, we have to get rid of the Jones Act because the Chinese are getting way too powerful because of it. Yeah. It really is. Um, uh, inc- you know, hurting the U.S. economy in international global competitiveness. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, much more of a boost to China. Yeah. It, it hurts the U S economy so much that, yeah, if, if you wanted to hurt China, the best thing to do would be to get rid of the Jones act. And we could use uh, ships from our allies. Uh, and, and instead of the Chinese ships, yeah. um, you know, if, if China is, and I don't, I don't necessarily see China as an enemy anyway. I mean, uh, they make all of our stuff. They're one of our biggest <laughs> trading partners. Um, but they, but, but they also send spy satellite balloons over the entire country that that we allow to exist. Okay, <laughs> that, that was a big distraction. Let's shoot it down at the very end. They they wanted us to look at the balloon rather than look at Pfizer or something. I saw another article where it was <laughs> uh, there was a like a, a train train wreck or something in Ohio. That was oh, also okay. going to affect the pipe, uh, the uh, the supply chain, and whatnot. And the oh, balloon wonderful. was used as a distraction, so we don't have to talk about supply chain issues. Yeah, I I tend to think it's the Pfizer issue. But. So here's a, here's another thing that I'm not against, right? And that is dirty tactics, right? Like I don't I don't necessarily find it to be immoral uh, to use the tactics of the enemy against them right in the promotion of more global freedom and liberty right so if 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 the political people are using scare tactics to pass bad laws and it works right they they get they get the the uh the populace up in a fervor against russia or against china or against north korea or whomever the boogeyman is right then it should be also fair game to use you know acceptable scare tactics against the population for matters that will increase their freedom and liberty as a whole well, that that is the whole game i know but again libertarians i'm i'm going to specifically say libertarians since they're in the political field 
libertarians specifically argue against those sorts of tactics because it's beneath us. It's beneath them to use such tactics, right? We, no, we are the Ron, party of principle. Ron, Ron Paul did, it, did his fair share. You know, he, he was you know, claiming that we'd, we'd have hyperinflation right around the corner. And, well, it's you know, getting there. But <laughs> you know, it's, Okay. Do you think that was yeah, scare tactics or do you think he believed it, though? Because I think he uh, believed it and has just been wrong for 50 years. But it's, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit of both. Okay. But I, I really think most of the politicians believe in the science that, you know, the world is going to end soon. Well, I, I think, for example, on the inflation thing, um, there's a tend to, tendency to exaggerate maybe how much inflation is going to occur, but it, it has consistently been occurring all the time because the mainstream has constantly said we have to have at least 2% inflation, um, but that's, to me, that's 2% robbery, actually more than that, because without the inflationary monetary policies, we'd have, we'd have uh, deflation. We'd have increasing wealth all, all the time because of deflation. And yet uh, the panic is against deflation. And so I would say that Ron Paul has been right. Maybe the, the degree has always been uncertain, but um, I, I think he believed it. I believe it. And any kind of inflation is is theft. Well, okay. So specifically, then the the hyperinflationary aspect, right? Well, These policies will lead to yeah, hyperinflation. Okay. Right I've always expected that myself. I was astounded that uh, inflation wasn't more than it was um, in in twenty uh, in two thousand and eight, and even right now, you know, eight, it hit eight or nine percent inflation. I'm surprised that it didn't go up uh, higher than that, considering the amount of money that they printed and the, um, the velocity of money through the economy and all that. I, I'm, I don't think it was an exaggeration. I, I, okay. I mean, it, it didn't turn out, but it was... We, we certainly had that kind of... Many countries have that, that kind of inflation, so there's every reason to expect that the same thing could happen here, except that when inflation occurs here, inflation occurs even more in other countries so therefore people still come in to buy the dollar when the wor- when the inflation is worse somewhere else so okay. um, there's that offsetting factor is is there any other country that their biggest export is their currency cuz that's the way it is in the US the US biggest export is the dollar yeah but is there any other country with that situation the biggest mm. yeah the swiss franc Possibly, but it's such a small economy by comparison. So I'd say, yeah, that may be the only other possible example. So l- let me ask you a question, KS, um, as an academic. right? You said you're, you're um, surprised a little bit that inflation isn't more than what it was. Um, mm. and, and the I want to point out that the government statistics right, are like 8 to 9%, uh, and that they fudge with the numbers – I will, I will personally say that they fudge with the numbers mm. to make it seem more reasonable. And so when you're looking at, I want to say, true inflation, right, from the academic standpoint where Ron Paul would say, like, no, 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 we're, we're on the path to hyperinflation, right, what, can, what metric can you use besides the government information to come up with Eggs. more correct data? The price of eggs nearly doubled, I think. I don't know. That's what I've been told. I don't really know. Yeah, oh, it's true. more than doubled, there, man. 500%. Factor. Oh, no, really? <laughs> With the avian flu, that affected it, too. I mean, there are, 
there's a multitude multitude of factors involved with each each particular item, and you know there's right. the war in Ukraine and and uh, COVID supply chain disruptions. There's any number of things that they'll blame it on the bad weather even, um, but the fact is that because of increased productivity, we would have deflation uh, throughout the economy, which would improve people's wealth. Uh, who knows, maybe 2 or 3% every year by making their dollar worth more. But the academic community has preached such a fear of deflation that they've done everything possible to prevent deflation. Yeah, which it's is a, a bizarre huge transfer of wealth from the from the lower income people who live off of the the money that they earn um, to the um, wealthier people that that are able to invest in properties and gold and, and uh, land and things like that that go up in value during inflation. I find it to be a bizarre fear, right? Because they're like, okay, if we have deflation, your dollars are going to be worth more. And I don't understand why people are afraid of that. You mean rich people are going to be richer? Well, yeah, but poor people are also going to be richer because their dollars going to be worth more, right? Yeah, they make such a big thing out of have we have got to raise the minimum wage. Well, why? Because the government has diminished the value of their wage over the years. Well, you know? most people don't hold dollars, and 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 that's one of the things that causes the the, the dollar to rise in value really quickly is. Because uh, there aren't en- there still aren't enough to buy all the goods and services. Uh, I, I don't want to say goods and services. All the things that people value a lot, and so that's why the stock market is going down, uh, even though we have uh, rising prices everywhere else. So people are, you know, rich people are selling their stocks because they see prices going up at other places. Go on. Um, so, so do do they have dollars or do they have stocks? Well, mostly they still, most people don't uh, hoard dollars. Is my point. So their their dollar going up doesn't really, the do- dollar value going higher doesn't really help them. It just okay. makes them it makes the the things that they they do have like their their stocks have less value. So it's even more of an irrational fear then, because not only do rich people not get richer by the by the dollar metric, uh, but poor people definitely do, because poor people hold dollars as much as they can, and if their dollar value is increasing, right, they'll be able to hold on to more of them because the purchasing power will go further. Right. Yeah, as long as they can continue to to have an income. Do you think? Okay, so are you suggesting that a deflationary? monetary policy will lead to uh, higher unemployment? I'm suggesting that uh, too much inflation or too too much deflation uh, ends up in uncertainty in markets. And then uh, when that happens, um, less productivity happens. uh, People take less risk and it's bad for everybody overall. Um, I'm not saying deflation is bad inherently. I'm saying uh, the the rate of deflation or inflation uh, okay. matters. Can can we can we agree on a naturally deflationary currency then? Right, not not one controlled by the bankers um, or the Federal Reserve or a central bank, but just that you know. No, uh, we we could agree on on freedom, and and in that way that you know people could use whatever currency or money they want. 
Understood. Uh, that, that would work. And so in that kind of situation, you'd have some that are inflationary, some that are deflationary, and you'd have multiple prices on goods and services, or you'd have an organization that helps kind of like, kind of like a credit card company that, that helps you figure out, you know, what strategy is best for you. Okay. So, a, a, but if you're, if you're a poor person, mm-hmm. right, and you have a choice between a naturally inflationary currency where the dollar, your, the value of your currency decreases over time or a naturally deflationary currency where the value of your currency increases over time. What's the, well, what's the motivation so, to choose the so, one where the value well, goes down? Pe- people behave that way already d- d- despite, you know, whatever currency we have. And so if we have an inflationary currency right now, uh, you know, a poor person, whether, whether or not, uh, you know, he's got a lot of money coming in or, or a little bit money coming in, or whatever it is that, that he's going to hold, you know, I mean, how depends on what you, what we call poor. If, if you, if you say it's a poor person that can't afford to save anything, then it doesn't matter what he saves because he doesn't have anything to save. He's just at the whim of the market. Uh, if it's a poor person that is going to save 10% of whatever he's bringing in, is he going to hold it in dollars in an inflationary system? No. And nobody does that. Okay. They, they buy they buy something that's going to go up in value versus the the dollar. But if a poor person starts in a deflationary system where he's saving able to save zero, right? And deflation is you know for my example ten percent annually, right? Then next year he's able to save ten percent, right? Because he's the, yeah, the value, so, his, his value has increased, so his well, expense has gone down. That's all. I mean, that's an assumption that he's going to be making, bringing in the same amount of money. Well, we have so, to fix so it somewhere, da- man, to test well, for variables. Well, no, but the market isn't fixed anywhere. And so, basically, what would happen is if if the if the person uh, that owns the business decides, well, we need to cut costs because you know uh, prices are going down everywhere, um, then the person's wages is something that could get cut also. Okay, and that's what I'm saying. So uh, th- there's. There's a book that, that I recommend is The Richest Man in, in Babylon and basically says that, you know everybody can save uh, 10% of whatever they make. I mean, it's, it might seem impossible, but uh, wherever you're at, just make it work or yeah. you know, work harder and bring in that extra 10%. And, and then when, when, you, when you learn how to do that, then you can make your money work for you. And that works in a deflationary uh, monetary system or an inflationary. So if we have a deflationary uh, system... And, and, you're, and you're saving money just in the currency because the currency is gaining value every year, then, then you're ahead just by, you know, putting it in a savings account. All right. Um, it, and if inflationary, then, well, you don't put it in the savings account. You put it in, 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 a, uh, in some other thing that is an appreciating asset, like, uh, you know, gold or, or stocks or you know, whatever. And, and once again, I think you give the general populace too much credit. On their oh, I, I do, and it and it's and it's a huge problem. You know, there there's, uh, you know, ten percent of the population uh, is is too dumb to join the military. That's a huge problem, um, and you know the the forty percent. You know, and if you think, okay, well, uh, you know, the 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 person that's average, the 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 one the one bad thing about having average intelli- intelligence is that fifty percent of the people are stupider than that person. Right. You know, that's a huge that's a huge problem. You know? I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you do about that? Well do you create a huge uh, a government to take care of everybody? Well th- that's that's the argument that the the status believe is that yeah. well we need the government because of all these other stupid people. Well I'll and I'll tell they you them, 
they themselves are are the stupid people. You know, it's like <laughs> I will tell you what we don't do about it. We don't rely on those people to enhance our individual freedom and liberty. Oh, well, it's true. All right, uh, is chaos still there? He just got in his car. All right. So final thoughts from you then, and we'll wrap nope, this thanks. baby up. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash the anarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.